Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 196. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Tiki Tea, a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar in Los Angeles, California. Come get their house specialty, The Raised Mistake. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. On this episode, we chat with the Contigo Collective. Gregorio, Anna, Trader Sampson, Phoenix Ablaze, and I chat about the history and contributions of Harry Yi from the Hawaiian Village. Harry Yi was a pioneer in tropical cocktails, including the creation of the Blue Hawaii, the Tapa Punch, Tropical Itch, and Hawaiian Eye. And he was the first bartender to garnish cocktails with umbrellas, lanterns, and orchids. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a good rating. Or stop by DesertOasisRoom.com and click on the tip jar. Every tip or donation, no matter the size, is very much appreciated helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. All righty. Make yourself a tap a punch and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room with the Contigo Collective, Gregorio, Anna, Trader Sampson, and Phoenix Ablaze. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Desert Oasis Room. I'm here with my friends. I'm just going to have everybody introduce themselves since we since all... Since you forgot our names. We all have our minds. <laughs> we've been drinking. Yeah, we've been drinking. <laughs> do you want me to do it? No. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, what are we drinking, by the way? Uh, it's a, just a Port-au-Prince. Classic. Port-au-Prince. Very old school pre tiki. I love it. I love it. And so Haitian rum. The voice you are hearing, that sexy strip club DJ voice. (laughs) Next up on on stage. Give it up for Trader Samson. Hello, party people. (laughs) Why are they always named after like Sapphire? And diamond. diamond. <laughs> because precious stones are precious. <laughs> you never have one that's named, give it up for quartz. Quartz crystal. 
We're here at the Desert Oasis Room on another Sunday fun day. And we are at this point, I don't even know how many cocktails in, but we are joined by, and that again, the voice of Traders Samson. <laughs> Uh, our friend Chase. Hello, hello. hello. We have the, we have the Contigo Tiki Bar here at the Desert Oasis Room, and we have Miss Tiki Oasis 2019, Phoenix Ablaze. Hi, everyone. And get this, <laughs> Phoenix made a drink for us tonight. Miss Tiki Oasis <laughs> made a drink for us in our in, in my bar. So like here in the Desert Oasis Room, like yeah. Yeah, my that? first time bartending, that was super nerve-wracking. Y- you looked like such a natural, too. Oh, thank you. I had the recipe written down. But even still, <laughs> even still I mean, like, it was, it, was, uh, it was like you'd been doing it your whole life. Oh, well, maybe I'll have another profession. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's, it's been, it's been kind of crazy for us the past 12 months or something, right? This is a fun mm-hmm. gathering for us today because for a few of us this is probably the first time we've hung out in a home bar and just had more than one person with cocktails us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right right because yeah. of covid and things are changing i think here in la county we're going to be going back into full operation i think june 15th right yeah, within the next yep. month yeah we'll be I think, yeah covid is gone yeah, they're, 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 removing, they're removing all restrictions. They're removing space restrictions, social distancing. We can actually fill up a bar 100%. Tiki Tea will be open. Oh, Tiki wow. Tea will be open. Yeah, most importantly. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be crazy that first day. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And most importantly, we are celebrating the accolades of... A bartender that doesn't get the attention that some of these other guys get. So Harry Yi from the Hawaiian Village. I, I keep holding back the Hilton Hawaiian Village because this is pre-Hilton Hawaiian Village. Right. right. And also, like, if they want to sponsor the podcast, exactly. drop the name. Exactly. That's the last time you'll hear Hilton today. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, we might as well call it the Paris Hilton Hawaiian Village. Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> Harry Yee, the man who first put a parasol in a cocktail, the man who invented the Blue Hawaii, the Tapa Punch. The Hawaiian Itch. The Hawaiian... Tropical Itch, The the Tropical Itch. Hawaiian Eye. The Hawaiian Eye. The Hawaiian Eye. And, you know, in this new... Orbit. Oh, oh, okay. Chimp Orbit. Okay, Chimp Orbit. And also the first bartender to drop an orchid as a garnish. Yes. Oh, very nice. Yep. Very nice. I a lot it. of firsts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And you know, like we're in a kind of a weird time now, right? Where we went through this BLM movement in the past 12 months. But we're unfortunately experiencing something that is very similar with the Stop Asian Hate movement. And so we thought that it would be fitting to give one of our Asian old school bartenders a shout out and a little bit of recognition for what he's done for this tropical cocktail scene that we enjoy yes well, sir yeah i mean harry yi coming from a chinese background working in hawaii from the 50s um i believe he had some sort of connection with don and then went to the hawaiian village uh, did he know Don? 
I don't know exactly. Again, that's about all I knew is know is that there's a connection. I don't know how deep it was or how close that was. I'm curious because you know these days, all the bartenders know each other. Like the, our friends from Trader Sam's hang out with our friends from Tonga Hut, who hang out with our friends from False Idol, who hang out with our friends from Smuggler's Cove. Like everybody knows each other, and I'm curious. Like, is it was it the same? Was it kind of a social thing back then? I would I would think in some ways yes, in some ways no. On the mainland here in the continental U.S., I would say no, okay. unless you're within L.A. County or San Diego County or Manhattan. Because Hawaii was so disconnected, right? It was. Yeah. So I mean, at that point, it wasn't even a state. Yeah, that's for, true. For quite so, a bit of this, it was just like Hawaii was its own thing. We had a Trader Vic's in Hawaii. And they had mugs and bowls and all that other kind of fun stuff that you normally see at a Trader Vic's. But in Hawaii, it was completely different than the stuff that you saw at Trader Vic's on the mainland because all their stuff was being made locally mm-hmm. as opposed to on the mainland. You had someone who was making these mugs and bowls and being shipped to all of the restaurants. But the Trader Vic's in Waikiki was kind of a lone wolf. Yeah, but in, in that sense where you had the isolation, you were isolated with everybody else around you. So that's kind of what developed that type of network on the island. Right, right. Where I think I would believe it, 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 it's hard for me to believe that the bartenders or anybody in some certain type of industry wouldn't have been connected with each other because it's so small, the island, and because it is so isolated. Right, right. To me, it felt more like a mutual respect versus like a true collaborate collaborative right. effort amongst tropical bartenders. You know, like pick and choose what you like, poach what you love. <laughs> and I do think that back then, really, there was the rivalry between Don and Vic seemed to really just be between... Don and Vic, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah. Steve Crane wasn't really a part Dave, of that. He wasn't really a part of that. And, and right, Harry no, Yee wasn't really was right. just they way were, out of Florida. Yeah, they were all doing their own thing. Yeah. We weren't living in a world that was as connected as we are today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that and at that time, there wasn't enough room for three people. It was, you know, you had the Battle of the Titans, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the Titans was really limited to one, you know, the two people who were, yeah. who were at the top. Yeah. So we had some excellent cocktails today. One of the ones that we made, like I'm going to talk about the one that I made, which is a Blue Hawaii. It's not a Blue Hawaiian, which I believe a Blue Hawaiian has coconut cream in it. That's right. right. And the Blue Hawaii does not. So the Blue Hawaii, which was, I guess it was done at the behest of a specific Curacao supplier uh, which I will not name <laughs> why not enter, enter sponsorship here because right. <laughs> it uh, could be anybody attention supplier if you're listening right. <laughs> drop us an email there you go we'll you know who you are this podcast <laughs> to and we email. will include your name because <laughs> easy as that so supplier manufacturer whatever you want to call them they wanted to sell more of this blue curacao which I found kind of interesting because Curacao is an orange-flavored liqueur. And so you put some blue food coloring in it, and you still get the 
orange flavor from a blue liquid. That's kind of a weird thing, right? I mean, my thought is that it's just a marketing thing if they're going to do the blue, right? I would think so, yeah. I would agree. How many blue drinks do you guys know of? Not enough. Like three. That's the same with me, right? Literally three. So how much of this are they selling? They've got to be selling a lot of it. I think that there are just probably endless numbers of Florida quote-unquote yeah, tiki yeah, bars yeah, yeah. that That's just pour it, it in That's on top it. of whatever blue Mai Tais. drink they're making. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> blue that's Mai that. Tai. Yeah. 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 I, I think it probably sells pretty well for the, it's in that market. It's got to. It's got yeah. to. So for our listeners out there, if you want to see what we made, we're going to put a link of the videos that we made in the description below. And one of the ones that I found really interesting was the Tapa Punch. Because, boy, was that thing loaded with booze. Yeah, just a little bit. So, um, Anna and myself, uh, we decided to make the Tapa Punch. And in that, the Tapa Punch really, for us, holds a lot of history. It's a cocktail and a mug that holds a lot of firsts, which Harry Yee, you know, has this long list of in his repertoire. But the top of punch, as Chase had mentioned a little bit earlier, was also one of the drinks that had the first orchid used as a garnish. So the top of punch actually had the first uh, orchid in it. It had the well the first parasol too the right? parasol the orchid and the hanging lantern oh wow and so it it when you not all cro- at the same time they was, all at, yeah if, did, if you, was it really yeah, at the same all time? at the same time mm-hmm. yeah so it's it has all of these combined it's one i think it was close to one of harry's most ornately garnished uh cocktails because it did have the orchid it had the hanging parasol, and I feel like there was one more thing. Was I think it there was mint. Mint. Oh, mint. So, yeah. yeah. So, you had all of them garnishing the drink at the exact same time. So, it's really elaborate garnish. Very elaborate yeah. garnish. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and although it it wasn't the first to have the orchid in it, it was a part of the history in, Do you in think, which... you think this was had. done in response to what maybe a tourist would expect a Hawaiian cocktail to look at? Well... Yeah, I, I read a I read a quote of his recently that said people would come into his bar and say, "Make me a Hawaiian drink." Oh, and his response was basically, "What the hell is a Hawaiian drink?" <laughs> yeah, because there was no such thing. Because they didn't really do rum. Right. They did you know they had their kind of version of whiskey? Okay. Okalehao. Okalehao, but like they weren't really making tourist cocktails with that because it was basically moonshine. Right. So he basically said well i'm gonna make a hawaiian drink right and it might be blue and it might have a flower in it and it might have a a parasol in it and this is gonna be what hawaiian drinks are and i'm gonna create the hawaiian drink and that's like really harry's legacy that's so cool with the blue especially and i know we were talking about the top punch but so I'm going to segue over to the Blue Hawaii with the blue, right? Mm-hmm. You had the movies like Blue Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. Where they they yeah. mm-hmm. they associate the color of blue, the ocean and the sea, which is very much a part of the culture of Hawaii, right? 
and he incorporated it in that way, right? Do we know who invented the blue Hawaiian? Do you guys know that? No. I, I would assume it was just kind it of came a after for right. Yeah. Hawaii. Right. Somebody just trying to, yeah, like you say. I'm curious about that because was that also, was that something that was invented locally or did that come from somebody that was saying this is a tribute to the Blue Hawaii or this is something that I made because I am a fan of the Hawaiian Islands or something in that respect? I'm curious. So we're going to look that up. I and think see it could have been, all, you know, all of it. Yeah. Because of the coconut cream. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which I still haven't had one. Of the, I have not had a blue Hawaiian yet, even though we've had all the ingredients to make it. Well, yeah. we can we can fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I think we can. I think uh, we can. Ladies and gentlemen, next up on the cocktails for right. tonight. <laughs> blue Hawaiian. So, how 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 many of you guys have been to the Hawaiian Village? Chase is raising his hand. Okay. <laughs> I've been to Waikiki many times, it, it and I've is never not, actually been there. I've never actually been to the Hawaiian. I've it driven is not by what it. You would hope it would be. Oh, really? I've driven by it many times. No, the the hotel's really nice. It's it's a beautiful place, and I went to the bar that's like out on the boardwalk that looks over the beach. But there is like one tiki in it, and then there's like one little piece of tapa on the wall, and then other than that, it's just a sports bar. And yeah, I get they it. do have a tropical itch on the menu because I ordered one. Okay. Uh, they put the back scratcher in it? They do. They, they do. still do the back scratcher. And then they still have like the blue Hawaii on there, but I don't think they have the tap of punch. Do they celebrate Harry Yi? Do they write his story in the menu? Not that I remember, but the, la- the last time I was there was like five or six years ago, and I wasn't quite as conscious of Harry's contributions back then. But I don't remember like a write-up on the menu about the history. I I knew of Harry through Beach Bum Berry's books, and that was why I wanted to go, because we were staying at the Royal Hawaiian a couple doors down. Right. right. And it shares the same beach boardwalk. So we walked down there just to go get a tropical itch, to go to the bar, to like say we did it. But I don't remember there being anything Harry specific in the bar because I would have probably thought that was pretty cool and remembered it. That would have totally been cool. You know, it's crazy to me that he was like the head bartender there for three decades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And And there isn't a shrine to him in the middle of it. And his contributions are almost forgotten. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, Yeah. it's sad. So although I haven't been there, what I do know is that um, recently, and I actually spoke to the historian for the Hawaiian Village. Uh, and she created this uh, mural, in a sense, of photos and information that is in one of the hallways that talks about the origins and up-to-date of the Hawaiian Village. And in there, you actually get to learn a little bit about Harry Yi and the Blue Hawaii and Tapa Bar, the Shell Bar, and things like that that and although you may not find a whole lot of literature about Harry Yi, the Hawaiian village has had uh, uh, these these get-togethers that did honor Harry his legacy his contributions uh, to the cocktail history the Hawaiian village history and they have done from what I have seen 
celebrations of his 100th birthday, his 101st birthday, and 102nd birthday. And Harry Yi is going to be 103 this September. So I do oh, know I that there that. is some some element of like like um, respect and celebration for his life and what he's done. Was there some kind of a movement to bring that to awareness? Not that I know. Okay. Um, not like necessarily a movement, but I think that there in Hawaii. Possibly. I'm just curious because, you know, sometimes when we start going down this historical rabbit hole, we start learning things and then we say, hey, this person needs to be recognized just like what we're doing today, mm -hmm. right? We have yes. a lot of things in this subculture that we enjoy that we give credit to like the Mai Tai and the Lapu Lapu and you know what else let's let's talk about Don the Beachcomber for example right all of his contributions we know where a lot of this history comes from we celebrate that and Harry Yi is very much a part of that but he's just kind of this kind of a, almost a forgotten person. Oh, I right? say he's he's at least on the mainland. I feel as if he's been very overlooked, um, very forgotten. Yeah, so I'm curious, like, uh, where that recognition is now, how it was motivated. You know, I'm, I'm not, just I'm just I'm curious about sure that. About, we probably won't know the answer. Yeah, to that, I'm not sure about Hawaii, but Chase made a great point, which the way you learned about Harry was the way that I also learned about Harry, which was through Beach Bumberry. Yeah. And, you know, also in the whole resurgence of tiki cocktail tropical history, the whole resurgence has brought about uh, a remembrance of a lot of forgotten people, instances, bars, restaurants yeah. that, you know, definitely through the 90s and early 2000s, uh, were forgotten and along with those restaurants and bars and cocktails come the bartenders and you know bar owners and restaurant owners and I, I feel like Harry has you know been a part of you know all of that that's been kind of res in the resurgence or being swept up into that um, you know uh, archaeology of history that was forgotten so I don't think it was in my opinion a specific intentional um, um, forgetting of Harry. It's it, there's so many things about Tiki just, that were forgotten. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, like times change. Yeah, and, right. and I think that also. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're not living in the age of information back then, right? Right. Like today, yeah. I think that whatever's being documented today will be less forgotten in the future because. We didn't have the technology to keep that alive back then. Like in the 80s and 90s, we just didn't have that, you know, unless you were actually putting this out somewhere, writing books or, or, or whatever kind of documentation we were doing back then. I mean, it's just going to get lost to time, you know. I think about that all the time with – let's talk about Jeff Berry's work, for example – a lot of the stuff that he saved for us, we would have lost to time if he didn't go through the efforts that he went through. I often think about and this is like really kind of stupid because I think about my grandmother's cooking and how delicious it was. And that died along with her. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, if somebody hit up my grandma and said, hey, grandma, what's in this recipe? <laughs> and we documented it into, you know, something similar to like the grog log. And we did this with other people again and again and again from those generations. We would not have lost those delicious meals or grandma's special whatever it is whether it's some kind of sweet potato pie or or some kind of meatloaf or whatever it is right i think about all the things that died with the people that only knew themselves right Right. and i think we can all attest this uh in whatever the example is is that we tend to underappreciate that which is right in front of us oh yeah yeah that's you know, just... grandma grandma's always going to be there the, this food's always going to be there i'll always be able to have this on the weekend when i visit my parents right, or right, whatever right. whatever that may happen to be right and i feel like harry kind of fits into that where harry was around for 30 years for hawaii the hawaiian village and yeah, you take it. Yeah. We take it for granted. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he's always here. He's been here forever. He'll always yeah. be around. And and I feel like that kind of contributes to maybe where we um, didn't always recognize him. But he's not the only person. There's so many other other instances where we can point out that we've forgotten or not appreciated um, those things that were always around. And the the kahiki is a great mm-hmm. example of that. The Maikai is probably the best and most present example of mm-hmm. us having something around and not to say that we didn't underappreciate it, but you never realize how close we are to losing those things. Well, it's not even just that. In the age of COVID, the things that we took for granted today, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I was a Wednesday regular at Tiki Tea for two decades. And you take that away from me and like, boy, did I take that for granted, <laughs> right? Uh, and and people that are friends of ours that are drooling bastards that get to hang out at the Tonga Hut or whatever your local watering hole is, right? Even if it's just taken away for a year, how much we take that for granted. Yeah. Think how much that hits the social hierarchy even yeah, of totally. like, like, what do we do tonight? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so used to seeing these people who are my friends and neighbors and community and then, like, we lose this spot, and it's not like you're texting your people, well, like, hey, you should come over to my house. It's just like, right. that's the place. Right. right. And that sense of normalcy goes out the window. What was that like for burlesque? Oh, boy. Um, you know, a lot of the burlesque dancers were just out of work. You know, a lot of us are doing this as a side hustle, but those that have burlesque as their main source of income, you know, they were hit the hardest. Um, You know, we were fortunate where we have the technology these days where we can pivot to doing online shows, but it's not the same because it's so awkward to dance for your phone to a camera and you're like (laughs) I don't know if you guys like this but hopefully you do it's really strange she's doing finger pistols oh you can't see me (laughs) that's how I dance you know with (laughs) finger pistols Uh, (laughs) but you know things are slowly opening back up I know I have friends on the east coast things are opening back up they're able to do shows socially distance some of them are still wearing their mask while they perform so it's 
a different element. Um, I was joking with a colleague of mine. I was just like, I'm so used to wearing my mask that I started dancing and I was looking at the camera and I was like, my face is not cute. I should right. just put a mask back on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that you say that because there are people who continue to work in the age of COVID, right? Working from home in their, their remote offices and jumping on to customer calls and team meetings and things like that. And I'm curious for the ladies. This is a ladies' question. <laughs> do you only do your eye makeup and leave everything else off with a mask on? Or actually, if you're on a Zoom, you don't have to wear a mask, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. have to wear a mask. I just make sure that I'm decent from, like, the waist yeah. up. The waist up, yeah. yeah. But Sweatpants I, on the bottom. Oh, totally. <laughs> and there are some days where I'm like, I'm not going to wear a bra to the Zoom call right. because I don't feel like it. Shoulders up. <laughs> yeah, shoulders up. <laughs> so you don't have to. It's funny because when my wife, my wife's an attorney, so she does a lot of stuff with the courts on Zoom. And whether she's got a hearing or a depo or whatever it is, I know that she's got that Zoom happening if she's getting all dolled up and it's like, mm. oh, so do you have a call? It's not like, where are you going? Yeah. Because, like, you know, last summer no one was going anywhere. Right? So, yeah, I have a call. And then she'd spend more time sometimes getting herself like all fixed up for the call than the call lasted. Yeah. Because maybe the call's 10 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny. So, with the guys, though, do we care? Run the finger through the hair. That's some good. Just uh, you know, like I still had. Uh, I've got some vanity. Okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll comb my hair. I don't know if I'll shave, but I'll comb my hair. Right. <laughs> like, why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you didn't shave much during COVID. I'd blur my camera when I was working, so so you couldn't really see anything. Well, he's got a full beard, so he doesn't really have to, yeah. right? Or do you, do you shave like? Do you shave like the line? The no, beard line, I, I right the here line? under the neck and right above my mustache. Okay. All right, Trim. What would you say you guys learned most from this COVID experience that we all had to go through? I think the the fastest thing that comes to mind is just that you hate people. That that <laughs> and and how much I miss close friends and family because of all the moments you're always saying like okay i'm just gonna see them next week like and and that taking for granted again it's like i know i'm gonna see everybody again and that fact where it's like no i'm not gonna see anybody and if i do it's gonna be through the computer screen and that was just so insanely hard at the same time but just having being able to be with all of you just even today is still for some people really hard and just getting out there right. and being able to see your friends and family again and being like well can we hug can we do this yeah. and it's kind of scary but yeah. it's like i want to be able to hug all of you because because i haven't seen everybody well the thing is that so i'm we're getting a hug after this yes so. <laughs> the thing is that with having done something for a year or more than a year right you get conditioned into believing that that is the normal that mm-hmm. that's is how we're supposed to be so we forget what it was like before COVID. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So this is where we insert the disclaimer that we've all been vaccinated for for the sure. for the, yeah. the audience. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll 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 tell everybody we've all been vaccinated. Uh, so there's no COVID here. So yeah. it's kind of you know one of those things that like if we wear the mask, it's I don't know, it's not really necessary at this point for us. 
you know yeah. be a courtesy i believe for those who maybe feel uncomfortable about it yep. but you know the whole point of us getting vaccinated is so that we can live our lives yeah. right right we've eradicated we've almost eradicated measles polio chicken pox all through vaccines so and the great part is, is that we can all now check our email through our left eye through our Microsoft account. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold really on. I'm just, I'm because of the Thank you, Bill. Because of the microchip. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We just got an order on Etsy. Hold on a second. Ooh, congrats. <laughs> I, think, I think I need an update on mine. <laughs> so, you know, Reboot. probably the thing that I've learned the most is how much I actually enjoy staying home. Oh, yes. Yeah. That too. Yeah. It's nice. Right. I love not commuting. Especially for those of us with yeah. home tiki bars. Right. <laughs> well, the FOMO is not what it used to be. Like, now it's, yeah, things are, things are happening out there, but do I, I really want to do home. it. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of, like, used to being just here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable at home now. Yeah. I want everybody to come to my house. That's that's the thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to leave my house, but everybody should. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because when we were organizing this, I, I asked, well, can we have everybody just come over here? Uh, <laughs> and no one objected. Really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nobody, right, I, I mean, we, we had posed the question or we had posed the option to Adrian. Like, you know, our bar is definitely open. But, you know, we weren't going to say no to an invite up here. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you guys came. Um, we're having some really excellent cocktails here on a Sunday fun day. We had some pizza. We had some hot ones. Oh, last, yeah. dab. last dab. Last challenge dab. At the- did a little oh, bit my. of last dab. Did a little bit of the, the chili flakes and, and the jalapeno wheels and all that kind of fun stuff. And, and now we're just enjoying our time together. So, Well, speaking of food, I would say that the thing I learned most of COVID was cooking. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I, I liked cooking before. Yeah. And I, I so I got married basically the last week of October in 2019. So we got a few nice, like, uh, kitchen things, like a brand new set of, like, knives, cutting knives, and a couple of new kitchen tools, which was great to have for... COVID. Like three months later, where we yeah. were cooking all of our own food it's three all about meals the a day yeah. for a year. And so I got really into cooking and learning how to cook from home and making all kind of new recipes with weird ingredients. And that was super fun. How so. are you teaching yourself that? Are you doing YouTube? Are you reading cookbooks? All of the above. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. It, it was, I literally be like, how do you properly cut an eggplant? Like, okay. and then you, and I've had a YouTube video on it where it's like how to like most efficiently dice an onion. So and it's like learning like the oh, proper that's interesting way actually because there is dices an onion. There it's is not a just way. Chop mm-hmm. it up. It's like there's a there's a method, and I didn't didn't know that before this lockdown, and I probably wouldn't have ever learned it. Anna was on that it. onion chopping tip because of. Gordon Ramsay. Because Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I was going to say that. The video I watched was Gordon Ramsay. I was going to ask, who is your favorite celebrity chef? Or but, do you follow any celebrity chefs? I don't really. But I, so I work in TV, and I've gotten to work with Gordon Ramsay a, a number of times, and he is the best. He is I was gonna the say, coolest guy. 
He is I so love, nice to I like, love the anything Gordon Gordon Ramsay. He I love awesome. anything Gordon Ramsay. His, so, his persona yeah. is very much for TV, except yes. I will say like his his chefs that he has that work under him mm-hmm. that are behind the scenes on the show, like making some of the food that comes out that gets shown. He is really hard on them. Like, sure, yeah, like, sure. Like you do but, not want to be back there when he's off camera. But he's got yeah. a reputation for what he does. Yes, mm-hmm. that's but, basically where Hell's and, Kitchen and, came from, right? They're like yeah. this is the reality of. But like the crew, the TV crew, everybody. He could not be a nicer guy. He's giving yeah, people yeah. food all the time. He's calling in reservations to his restaurants for like the PA, like the lowest sure. people on the totem pole are like, oh yeah, I'm going to take my mom out to Las Vegas next weekend. He's like, oh great, like here's here's the phone number for the hostess. Tell her I sent you. She'll get you the best seat in the house. Oh, like on, on me. I love it. And like pays for people's yeah. dinners. So yeah. he's, the, he's the best. So anytime I can find a Gordon Ramsay yeah. video of him doing uh, something I love like, him yeah let's I love it. him I love him so he has a, a YouTube channel that, that I'm subscribed to and he does these 10 minute meals do you guys ever watch those mm-hmm. so he does a 10 minute meal and these are like it's the kind of stuff you get in his restaurants right okay. and he does it in 10 minutes and when he's finished making the meal he always walks it over to his next door neighbor oh, <laughs> and, no and we're like Oh, what is it like to be his neighbor? He knocks on the door. <laughs> number one, Gordon Ramsay knocks on your door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And number two, he's got a plate of food that he made for you, right? That he says, oh, yeah, we already ate. But here's a whatever it is that he made. And it's from him yeah. specifically, right? How cool is that? So here's what I have to say. Anna just said, yes, I know about this 10-minute video. I didn't know that you knew about that 10-minute video. You watched this. I've never had a 10-minute dinner. What's going on? I can't cook in 10 minutes. <laughs> She's not Gordon Ramsay. Here, let's yeah. start off with this. When we started dating, he's the one who was doing the cooking. So let's just say now it's evolved. It's because of COVID. Now I'm the one cooking oh, the dinner. Oh, it switched. I, I, I'm the cook in this house too. Same so. with me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I cooked every I meal do 100%. Yeah, 100%. I still hold down brunches though. Yeah, he does the brunches. I'll do dinners. And now I've been watching Gordon Ramsay. So I've been telling him, You've been cutting the onion wrong this whole time. You know, it's funny that you say that. So after watching Gordon Ramsay, I had to change the way that I cut vegetables and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff, right? And I've been doing it decades for the wrong way. So it was a a weird, it was an uncomfortable change. Mm, It was a learning curve. Learning curve, right? But... um, you know, I, 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 so I have changed the way that I've done certain things because of him and certain philosophies on how I approach making a meal. But I like my eggs still better the way, yeah. the way that he does it. Yeah. Because, I did watch his egg video. Yeah, because he does stuff with creme fraiche yeah. and he likes it yeah. to be like really kind well, of. Well, he made scrambled eggs on hot ones. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah he that's did. Right. What that's are hot right. Hot ones. On the TV show, the Hot Wings show. Oh, we were talking oh show. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he. They pull out a hot plate and a skillet for him, and they're like, "All right, make us scramble eggs. eggs." It's a fun show, <laughs> and actually, Sean Evans just got nominated for an Emmy. Oh, oh really? wow! Yeah, he got nominated for best talk show host. Wow. I'm not surprised. Which I think he deserves it. I think he's I really think so. good. I think so too. Very I think great. he's really good. He's a natural. He doesn't stutter. He doesn't no ums no awkward anything he's so he also gets to know his audience and his questions are very specific towards the person he's talking to and i like that yeah and i think he's good at making his guests comfortable Mm -hmm. right nice guy too 
Oh, so nice yeah, guy that's Very right. Nice I forget that you know all these people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not bragging. <laughs> no, I know you're not. So how? Uh, okay, so this is how stupid I am, right? Because mm-hmm. I do this podcast and I do this YouTube and I do all these st- stupid things from inside the desert oasis room, hence the name. And I've sent him a note before inviting yeah? him to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't think it's even been read yet. Okay. Yeah. This was probably <laughs> like two or three years ago. Um, can you make that happen? But if you happen to know I someone. I can put in an email for sure. Can you really? Yeah, for sure. I would love to have him. Now, so here's the thing. I wouldn't expect to be on his show. Right. But holy hell, man, if I could have him but here. Could, I think if, or I I can think meet if him, I got like, him photos of this place, he'd be like, yeah, I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. So we got to make that happen. All right. If we we'll, can make we'll that happen, we're going to pull some strings. <laughs> but I would love to do that. So we had, prior to recording this particular episode, we had some last dab mm-hmm. on our pizza. And... So that last dab is last year's last dab. And so I know it's hotter these days. And oh boy, man, was that. And so like as you, you saw, I used, as you saw, that bottle was like at least a third empty, mm-hmm. getting close to half. He uses it. We, we eat it. He uses we, yeah. it. We eat it here, right? And we don't do it just as a I dare. We actually, we actually eat it here. <laughs> and so when you worked on the show, mm-hmm. Did you get to sample any of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. They they actually... So for those of you who don't know, it was probably most of you, I am a location sound mixer. So I, I record sound on set for TV shows, mainly some commercials, stuff like that. But I, I work on hot ones now and then. I love it. And uh, so they I happened to be there at one that was right before Christmas, and they sent all of us home with a huge like gift pack as just like a little Christmas gift. So we all got like 10 hot sauces, some shirts and hats and stuff like that, which was really nice. Yeah. Cause 'cause I'm not even like the regular sound guy. I was just like filling in for my buddy, but yeah. So they sent us all home with some stuff. So it was cool. Yeah. And, and, uh, do you eat it at home? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Um, I really do love the classic one. Just this, the it's not that hot. Yeah, but it's super tangy, the, the red and flavorful. Label, yeah, the red yeah. label. Yeah, I I went through that really quickly, and yeah. then I bought another bottle of it. <laughs> so as I mentioned to you before we recorded this, my favorite one is Los Calientes. It's like right in the middle. I think it's like number five, and I, that's probably the fourth or fifth bottle I've gone through oh, wow. because I love uh, it. It's so good. I'm gonna have to get that one because that, that was not one of the ones so they gave good. us. It's so, so good. I gotta find but that's surprising because it's their own brand. Yeah. You know? So um uh, the last dab I could I mean like I wouldn't say it's a novelty but I don't it's eat, close to an I, I don't eat it every day, you know. Yeah, so I was actually surprised that Chase went for it and I knew it was gonna go for it, but then Phoenix <laughs> Phoenix was going for hey, it too. Do I you like eat spicy. a lot do you eat a lot of spicy at home? Phoenix or? is from Phoenix is from the desert bro. <laughs> from hella hot. Yeah, from hella Arizona. hot. And then, you know, my mom is Vietnamese and my father is Indonesian and when you have mm-hmm. those two come together like you grow up. I think you come out with like a Thai chili plant, you know, in, right. in the, from the womb. You'll right. plant this when yeah. you're <laughs> So, you know, what's funny is that a lot of people don't associate Asian food as spicy food. But 
there's a lot of spice in Asian. I don't food. know what Asian food they're eating, but that I, I've learned the hard way. I life. definitely consider Asian food to be spicy. Yeah. that's just how I like to eat. Have it. you been to? Now you live in LA. Have mm-hmm. you been to Gelada? Oh yeah, yeah. I love the food there, dude. Is like it's unbelievable. It's great. It's unbelievable. It's the best. Yeah, it's got all these accolades, and so my son lives in Westwood, and sometimes when if I'm at the Tiki Tea or something, I'll call him and I'll say, Hey, man, I got to go get dinner. You want to? You want to come meet me somewhere? I'll buy yeah, you dinner. Close to Tiki D. Yeah, and he's and it's kind of like a halfway spot from Westwood. Mm-hmm. So he'll say like, "Let's go to Gelada." We'll go to Gelada, and mm. holy Sounds hell, like is like some of the some shop. of the food there is like super, super, super spicy, but it's so good and so flavorful. They warn you too, though. Yeah, that we. They're good at We keep you. eating it even though we're like blowing our nose <laughs> no, and like our sweating. mouth is running and we're sweating and like, you know, but it's just so good. Yeah. Do you cook like that at home, like at that hot level? Your husband, I don't know. Well, he can't handle the heat like I do, so it's tough. So he doesn't eat then? Well, no, I, I make it on the tamer side, and then I just add in, like, my chili paste for afterwards for yeah. myself. But I do remember, like, my mother makes this delicious delicious uh, spicy beef noodle soup, and she would always make it during the summertime in Arizona. So imagine eating party. this spicy beef noodle soup when it's 118 degrees, <laughs> and you're just, like, sweating. You were sweating before dinner. Sweating before, sweating during, sweating after, and then, like, your nose is running, and, like, everyone at the table is just like <laughs> <laughs> that's like such a Mexican thing too like the hottest yeah. freaking day of the year is when you get the boiling hot calor or like yeah, you know stew and it's like why why would you ever create this on like you know record breaking temperatures I'm sorry <laughs> thank you Anna that's all I have to say that's hilarious I went to a friend uh, they, they got married they're Indian and everything oh, that they had was super hot as well. And there was this, I, I, I don't know what you would call it. Like, it was kind of like, kind of like this the potato kind of, Oh. it's uh-huh. like a potato pancake. And it had these jalapeno wheels just all pressed into it, you know. And uh, my wife was like... She threw her arms up. She's like, I can't eat anything here. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, how about the potato pancake? And she holds it up to me. And she's like, it's got peppers all pressed in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's, I like it. You know, it's all good. But she's used to the chicken tikka masala and the, and the naan bread with mm-hmm. no spice. Well, the Americanized versions. Right. Because what I learned, you know, traveling and is that our spicy like our 10 is like a two in every right. other country yeah. in the world yeah i was gonna say like a three or something yeah. Yeah. yeah i was exaggerating but but yeah like literally that's what i've learned traveling going to different countries is that our our hot is just starting like they're feeding their three-year-olds this food <laughs> it, like yeah, like buffalo it's wild not, wings right is not it no. No. <laughs> right. That's candy for most of these kids in third world countries. And it's like, you know, foreign countries, anything outside the United States, you know, is like their their whole idea of hot is just on another scale that, mm-hmm. that we're not even playing with. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get into a contest to begin to like enter a lot of the, the norms for other 
other countries. Yeah. I remember traveling, like, I think traveling Central America was one of the biggest eye-awakening experiences in what hot is. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I gotta say about that experience. <laughs> <laughs> I think I lost a couple lives. <laughs> I love it. Well, my um, my palate has adjusted, and now if I have something that's even super savory and like something that I'm really enjoying because it's rich in flavor, it's still lacking if it doesn't have some kind of kick to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a young adult, I remember thinking, why would anybody eat their food like this? Right? Mm-hmm. I, I used to think that all the time. And then I used to also think, you know, I'd sip like a, a, a whiskey or I'd sip a, a bourbon and I'd think like, oh, how could anybody drink this? And man, oh man, ain't nothing like good whiskey or good bourbon, you know? Now it's just to feel something, anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, tell me I'm still alive. Just to feel alive. Just to feel alive. <laughs> just to feel alive. Well, I think we're going to wrap up this episode, but let me start by saying thank you to our guests for joining us today inside the Desert Oasis room for making cocktails and taking time out of their Sunday to drive up here and spend some time with us. Before we wrap this up, is there anything that we want to throw out there about what we're doing here with... The API, Harry oh. Yee. Well, shoot, we didn't even talk about that. I think there should be. <laughs> yeah. I guess that falls on me. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, in honor of Harry Yee and really trying to raise his presence within all of this tiki tropical resurgence. Um, one of the things that, that we were really looking to do was, like most Tiki fanatics, was um, kind of reach back into history and, and find some of those things that we really can't find. And so that's where the whole Tapa mug started. Right. And, you know, just find, like that thing is impossible to get a hold of. So tell us a little bit about the top of mug. So the the top of mug uh, again was created for the top of punch, which is you know one of the cocktails that can go toe to toe with the zombie. Four and a quarter ounces of uh, rum, and um, in in the top of punch. With the top of the top of mug, it was the first um, cocktail to actually have the parasol, and not only the the parasol or the umbrella tiki umbrella, which is the generic name that most people use, it was the hanging Chinese lantern. Yeah. And so, you know, as we were digging into the mug and the cocktail, you know, of course you can't separate that from Harry Yi, and as I began to dig more into Harry and his history and just realizing there's n- literally nothing written about him other than what uh, Jeff Barry has put into his books. And, and when you consider what his contributions are, that's so minimal. And so as we were beginning to develop the mug, it grew into a passion project to 
to raise his profile. And um, one of the things that I said earlier is that we we tend to underappreciate those things that are in front of us. And to think that he's 102 years old and still with us began to drive me even further into wanting to make this happen and uh, wanting to do something again as a as a small contribution in honor of everything is done while he's still around right because that's really the huge goal is to honor him while he's still here uh, I've, I've been in contact with his daughter and have been talking with her she's she says um, and in part for for her dad Harry that they're both really excited about this project they're honored they they definitely want to get one of the mugs and so um, it, it, it's just kind of been a, like a snowball that started off as this little project that is this evolved much further uh, beyond that into honoring Harry Yee who he is what he's done and um, in light of recent surges and attacks against the AA um, PI community, I felt that I had to do more with the mug. And I talked to Anna and said, like, I feel bad in in the 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 economic aspect of this. Like we have to do more. And um, we talked it over and we both agreed that we had to give a portion of the proceeds to the families who have been directly impacted by these hate crimes against the AAPI community. And what really pressed that, that moment of reflection was the mass, the mass shooting in Texas in the massage, um, the massage, I'm not sure what you call them, but Right. The, the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, what Gregory is trying to say is that, you know, this, this particular project has a specific purpose that is, it's not just about selling mugs to make money. The, the, what's happening is with the proceeds of this mug, they're going back to families that have been affected. And this is kind of all of us here, our way right, of yes. contributing to the Stop Asian Hate Movement and at the same time honoring a person in the tiki and cocktail subculture that doesn't get the same recognition that some of the big guys get, right? And when we talk about someone like Harry Yee, we're talking about somebody who's had also a very significant impact, right? If you've had a cocktail with a parasol in it, that directly came from Harry Yee's influence. That's almost every tropical cocktail you can think of now yeah. has in an the umbrella. entire world. In the, in entire, the entire world, world. Yeah. The entire every world. cruise liner, every resort, every hotel. Yeah, yeah. So, this is our effort to give him the recognition that we believe it deserves, and helping people at the same time that have been affected by any kind of hate crime. So that is especially related to the Stop Asian Hate Movement. And, you know, I have to definitely thank everybody here, Adrian, um, Chase, and Phoenix. And I don't know if any of you would like to kind of put in any thoughts on your, you know, contributions to the collaboration. Well, yeah, I think just because we haven't said it before, I don't know if this is a thing, but uh, like for, for anyone not in the know, 
Harry, you had a drink called the Tapa Punch that came in a very specific mug, and those mugs are very hard slash impossible to find. So the Contigo Bar has been working to recreate that mug, but that drink, the Tapa Punch, was always served in this particular mug, and Contigo Tiki Bar has work tirelessly to recreate it as close to they possibly can to how it appears on the menu. And these mugs are going to go on sale and the benefit for these mugs will go to uh, AAPI charities, which uh, we're going to be promoting through Tiki Oasis. I'm going to be running a fundraiser uh, through my Instagram page and some of the prizes will be some of the mugs along with prizes from all your favorite tiki bars and tiki artists and we're gonna have uh be hopefully raising some money at tiki oasis for this too so you'll see us there uh uh, hyping up these mugs and they're really really cool and we're very excited about this and to be able to try to make a little bit of a difference in the aapi community and i think that we all know that uh you know the AAPI community has really you know like we as a tiki community have taken a lot from the AAPI community from the look to the designs to the drinks to food all of it and they have not gotten the credit they've gotten to a lot has been appropriated and I think it's time for us to give something back from everything that we've taken and uh, hopefully that can help us create a more inclusive community that can help bring other people in and make people feel more comfortable and, uh, you know, like keep these conversations going and then at the same time making a difference in the world. So that's what we're trying to do here as a as our little group that you're listening to right now. Very well said. Beautiful. Jace. Very well said. Well, is there anything that anybody else wants to say before we wrap this up? Uh, I just want to thank Gregorio and Anna for, you know, looping all of us into this project. I think the the idea is fantastic, one, to celebrate Harry's contribution to the Tiki community, but also the funds be- that are being raised going back to the AAPI community just says a lot about your hearts. Um, and I'm super appreciative to be on this project. What really drew me to this project was the fact that we are in this pandemic and there's been such a huge surge in hate crimes against the AAPI community that it just completely made sense for me to be behind it. So thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, we're glad you're a part of it. For sure. sure. Well, with that said, I think this is a nice place to wrap this up. So for all of our listeners out there, if you'd like to follow what we're doing here, we're going to put links down in the comments below. Uh, For now, we're going to throw out uh, the at Contigo Tiki Bar handle. (laughs) K-O-N-T-I-G-O. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Chase Samson. (laughs) (laughs) So give them a follow. And, aloha, um, everybody. And, and until the next time, we bid you guys a cheers and aloha. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right. Adios. All right. Aloha. Aloha, aloha everyone. See cheers. See you, TQO.